the interesting thing is that, see, everyone in the band has been working flat out since they left Purple in the That's first true. place. That's true. You've all had your own very uh, solid careers. And so I don't think there was any doubt about uh, anyone's fitness to actually pick up where they left off. It was just a question of how far we'd moved apart from each other and whether that chemistry would work. The reunion album was just that. It was a reenactment, if you like, of Deep Purple in Rock. Uh, although I don't think it's as good an album as Deep Purple in Rock, but it's got a couple of really good songs on it. Perfect Strangers and Knocking Your Backdoor, to me, the record hangs on those two. Hi, this is Ian Gillen of Deep Purple. This is In the Studio. And I'm Redbeard. Welcome back to the conclusion of our two-part Best of Deep Purple box set in the studio. It was a long and 11 and eventful years before the five individual members of the now classic Deep Purple Mark II lineup reconvened at an inn located in Greenwich, Connecticut. Richie Blackmore had earned moderate success leading Rainbow for a decade, but his revolving door reputation with lead singers had worn thin. Roger Glover had success as a producer, but his solo career was stalling. John Lord had really been an asset to David Coverdale's Whitesnake, but Coverdale's reported million-dollar debt eclipsed Whitesnake's future success just beyond the horizon. Ian Pace was too good a drummer to be idle, and singer Ian Gillen had never found anything even close to his mates in Deep Purple. So there was considerable drama to this meeting in 1984. No managers, no record company officials were present. Ian Gillen calls the role. Roger, Richie, John, Ian Pace, myself. It had been on and off, this sort of thing, with regards to conversations and everything, for probably a couple of years. Everyone had their own thoughts on it. I'm I sure. Was, but... I was probably the most obviously and consistently enthusiastic for the previous two years to, to get it together. In fact, when it didn't happen the previous year, I decided to do a short spell with Black Sabbath because yes. um, I had nothing to do. When I finished with them, I picked up the phone again and we... I think Rainbow had sort of come to a, a fairly natural conclusion at that time. Um, they didn't have anywhere obvious to go. Um, I didn't, and nor did John and Ian, really, because um, the White Snake thing had um, sort of lost its thing for John. I didn't particularly want to form another band myself, and it seemed obvious, I think, to me, anyway, that we'd all been doing stuff which was good, but not as good as Deep Purple was, and uh, that blend of personalities and characters um, was really the only band I ever wanted to be in again. So probably I pushed harder for the meeting than anyone else.
from the Deep Purple reunion album of late 1984 called Perfect Strangers, that's Knockin' at Your Back Door. Deep Purple lead singer Ian Gillen continues that, though it was the reformation of the famous Mark II band, it was not the reformation of Deep Purple. But I think the only one thing that we all agreed on before the meeting was that if we were going to do it, it was going to be a permanent thing and we were going to record an album and stay together for, 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 for as long as we could foresee, you know, without working ourselves into the ground and breaking up and getting sick again and all that sort of thing. Um, I know Roger had probably more reservations than anyone else. I wasn't really too sure about where Deep Purple lay in the scheme of things. Right. Um, even at the time, I mean, I knew we were a successful band because we had oh, the gold a, records I, on the wall, but yeah, I didn't feel it emotionally, and I, huh. I just felt like uh, we, were, we were a band, we, we, we were proud of what we did, but I couldn't f foresee it lasting longer than th the next tour. The legend, I, I thought, grew bigger than the band ever was, and I thought... Uh, with, with something like that, with that kind of name, that really we should leave it alone. Because uh, if we got back together again, it'd be a gigantic anticlimax. And if it didn't work, it would be very embarrassing. So I was very worried of it, mainly for those reasons. The thing is with Purple, I don't think any, anyone overwhelms anyone. I mean, you cannot imagine five more diverse characters than we are. I'm, I'm sure of that. And yeah, there's something about that that's catalytic, it's... It, it's the chemistry that makes that. And so decisions are arrived at by, without votes being taken necessarily or anything like that. Someone just says something, and if it's that convincing to everyone else, it just happens. And I seem to remember that the only anticlimax of the whole thing was the actual meeting itself. It was, it was historic, and yet it was just as if we'd only met yesterday. It was, um, and we hadn't been apart for all those years. There was no change in, in our attitudes and there was no change in our, when I say enthusiasm, I mean our enthusiasm for, for work. The interesting thing is that, see, everyone in the band has been working flat out since they left Purple in the That's first true. place. That's true. You've all had your own very uh, solid careers. And so I don't think there was any doubt about uh, anyone's fitness to actually pick up where they left off. It was just a question of how far we'd moved apart from each other and whether that chemistry would work. And I think then the big... <clears throat> worry. The big thing was actually when we actually got together for the first rehearsal. I mean, that was the momentous occasion for me. The first thing we decided to do was, was to go and jam together, just to see what we had. Because after all, we didn't know how far apart we'd grown musically Good in point. 11 years. Good point. And uh, so we, we very quickly arranged, I think it was about two <clears throat> weeks, no more than two weeks, three weeks later, yeah. we went up to Vermont and we rented a, a big country house which had a large basement, and uh, we set up some gear. And we went up there, and we started jamming. I arrived uh, fairly... I was the last one to arrive. It was about 9 o'clock at night, and everyone was having the evening meal. They'd all arrived, like, in the previous 24 hours. And after the meal, everyone kind of... There was no decision. Uh, no one said, well, <clears throat> let's go down to work or whatever. Just everyone kind of ambled down after a while. I think Ian Pace started kicking up a little pattern, and Richie started playing a little blues riff, and... John joined in, and then I picked up the bass and joined in, and... I opened another can of beer. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then we were back again. I, I think it was the same as it always just was. Just the same as it always was. <laughs> Probably the first 60 seconds, there was, there was a, a moment of uncomfortableness. And then we all started kicking in with the music, and I remember looking around about two minutes later, looking around the room, and everyone had a huge grin on their face. Because it felt so good. I mean, it just... There's no other way to describe it. It was fantastic. I don't know, I get 
tingles down my spine and everything else. It's, it's, it's exactly what was missing in those intervening years. You know, that's the element that was missing, and I'm, I'm, I'm not sure, but I think it probably applies to everyone else as well. Yeah, it does. <laughs> <laughs> and that's it. I mean, I just, I don't know. This, purple is, for me, the band, you know, it's, it's everything.
That's the title song to Deep Purple's huge comeback album, Perfect Strangers, which made them one of the biggest touring bands once again, but this time in 1985 in America. Here's Roger Glover. If you're on the road for months and months and months and you're doing the same basic set, if you're that rehearsed, you're going to get so tired of it. It's, right. it's going to be like going to a factory. You're right. You know, and putting the same little screw in the same little bolt. You're right. We purposely make it fairly spontaneous and free. As, as Ian said, there's a structure there. Well, sure. But uh, there's got to be a bit of fun involved, and you don't get fun. Exactly. You know, a, a joke's only good once. If you exactly. tell a joke twice, it's not funny. And the same, a musical joke's the same thing. A musical joke has to be spontaneous. And actually, that's the reason why when we make a record, we don't have all the songs worked out ahead of time. We, we write as we record. So the songs themselves are spontaneous to start with. Recording the album House of Blue Light, the follow-up to Perfect Strangers, Roger Glover knew that the honeymoon grace period of the regrouped Deep Purple had a finite shelf life. Yeah, I think it's uh, something that we had to do. If we're going to exist, I mean, one of the reasons why I was so apprehensive about getting together again was that would be an anachronism, would be out of our time, that maybe the legend that was Deep Purple was a product of its time and couldn't really hack it in the mid-80s. And that was my big fear. And it was, uh, it was really the music that changed my idea on that when we, we played together and I realized that we really were making good music and that we did have the potential to come up with fresh stuff and move on and not just rely on the past. Then that's what convinced me that the reunion was a good idea. And the reunion album, I think everyone was very careful about not treading on other people's toes. No one wanted to rock the boat too much. And we almost had a flippant album to make in it. We spent more time down in the pub than we did in the studio. But it was a necessary album, just a, a natural whatever came up type attitude. And after all, that was our attitude in the early days. We never used to sort of worry too much about it. You know, we'd go in without really any idea what we were trying to achieve. We just knew that it had to be hard and it had to meet our idea of what we wanted to do, which is very difficult to put into words, just a feeling that we all had. The reunion album was just that. It was a reenactment, if you like, of Deep Purple in Rock. Uh, although I don't think it's as good an album as Deep Purple in Rock, but it's got a couple of really good songs on it. Perfect Strangers and Knocking Your Back Door, to me, the record hangs on those two. But The House of Blue Light, I think we were much more aware of the fact that the curiosity of the reunion wasn't going to be with us this time. We had to really come up with, pretend like we were a new band, in a way, and try and forget as much of the past as possible and, and move forward. Obviously, we, we'll never lose what we had because we're the people playing the instruments and they're played in a certain way. Uh, someone accused me in an interview a couple of weeks ago of, uh, oh, you used the same formula. And I said, we don't have a formula. We play the way we play because that's the way we are. Whatever we do, it's, it's natural to us. We're not adopting a certain formula or a certain style of music to our ends. We're playing as naturally as possible. And Deep Purple is what comes out. It's not a form. We didn't think about it. I was concerned about making music for now. And I think underneath it, so was Richie. Because Richie really surprised me on this album. Because he comes up with the, the basic music. You know, not that no one else writes music. It's just that that's the way Richie, Richie plays what he feels. And... He frequently can't feel what other people write. So it, it's a situation that, that does make for some friction because other people have ideas too. But Richie's a very dominant kind of spirit in the band. And to be fair, comes up with some great ideas. I mean, the guy's brilliant. Having Richie for an ally helped a lot. He didn't come up with the standard rock and roll riffs. I mean, he did a few. Uh, 
But he started writing in major keys and in chord structures rather than riffs. It's not quite so much based on the blues rock and roll. You know, a blues note is always minor, minor in the seventh. He's writing in major, which is, you know, the difference between uh, major and minor in the old days was minor was black music and major was white music, you know, kind of, more or less. Major is what the new kind of music is from. What happened with punk, if you like, and after punk, especially the kind of new wave of punk, was it was everything, music got very bright and very fast and very staccato. It wasn't long notes and stuff, it was hard-hitting rhythmic music. But using major structures and, and structures that didn't owe anything to the 50s, because basically our music comes from the 50s. The real revolution in music, in fact, that happened in the 70s is that we really did kiss goodbye to the 50s as a major force in music.
Originally from 1987's album House of Blue Light, Bad Attitude is included in the comprehensive Deep Purple box set. I'm Redbeard, back in the studio after this. 